0: Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Welcome to the Thursday night segment that we are Around. We're broadcasting live on United Public Radio Network, here on the Radio Network 105.3 and 107.7 FM from New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people of Folgers Coffee who have been on this journey with us since the very beginning. So thank you, for We couldn't do it without you what we want to. Also, truly grateful for. Dr. Stephen Surgeon aka Justin Snicker, for the intro that we just heard. So we graciously contributed his voice, his time, and his music, and we love it. So he's an award-winning composer, Violet Moore, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found on all of your favorite music streaming platforms. Also big thank you to C the Guinness Artist behind the energy locals here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Also so, specializes in war genre. Oh, really? Come guys, and a really bad sound, huh? I don't know what's going on with all of this tonight. let will just have a little... Does that sound a little bit better? Um,
1: it... no. It's no. On me. Can you hear it?
0: I can't hear anything
1: i have nothing but static and i can't even hear what you're saying like i can't even listen. okay let me let me pop it and
0: come back in
1: i i'm gonna do that but i
0: mean let me, let I, me go first let me go first guys hold
1: oh, on oh, okay it's just oh michelle ouch sound okay dolly has it too see now i don't hear it why do you know? Serious space weather. Is that what it is? Hello, Sun. Hello, Janice. Hello, Dolly. Well, hello. No, yeah, it's it you. Sound now. It's you. Oh, because when you went off, yeah, sun says I'm fine. It's you. Dolly said it's you.
0: Really? It's a sun's so a moment. this, this is terrible. It's, it's all, all static. you're I don't know. I'm no. just trying. Okay, let's so bizarre So I'm still standing my fault. Yeah,
1: it's very very staticky. I was fine when I wasn't on Streamyard, remember? Yeah. And when the music was playing, I was fine. I restarted and I went out and I changed everything. Yeah, static and monster sounds.
0: Um, if I'm certain now, the whole show goes down. Okay. Just say. Oh, no, no kidding.
1: Uh, put, your mute, put
0: your mute on. Okay, one second.
1: Yep, and now there's no, no more static. So it's coming from your end. Check your microphone.
0: I am. It's so strange because we don't have any of this. Yeah,
1: if Michelle can't, it's like, if we can't hear Michelle, we're done. I can't go for two hours with this, but I can tell you.
0: Wow.
1: It's nasty. Okay. I'm going to let you listen to it. I see if you can hear it.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Current? Oh, yeah. so it's your
0: output. Okay, hold on. Give me, give, me, give, me a, give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. I'm going to go. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, can um, output. Huh. <sighs> Oh, it's, it hurts. Yeah, I can't figure it out. I'm not out why. It would be, I mean, I'm. Is that it's really
1: hard because when you played the intro, there was no noise at all. It's just coming from your end. You have a different mic. Is
0: your is your ear thing? Yeah, it's all in really well. I don't understand why it's um. Um, you we know. sound synthesized. <laughs> and then it's just between all of that. Well I don't know guys. I have no clue. So all I can do is let uh, you keep going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have any chance, What do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing this without
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is I wonder if you just switch microphones. See
0: what happened.
1: I know, it's like I had it too with my earbud being there. There's like
0: Picking up, it's almost like when you pick up noises on a baby monitor, like that kind of I don't know, okay, all I can do is restart and come back in, so if you want to just keep talking, I'll miss a Sure. huh?
1: I'll talk. I'll talk to everyone in the chat room. <laughs> I don't mind. Go ahead. Okay, I'll be back. I'll she be, be back. Back. This show, so We can't do it without her. Um, <laughs> I honestly thought it was me. I was, oh, no, we do not need a big shot screenshot of my face. But I honestly thought it was me because it was only when I went in. But how is it sounding with me just here? Like, I'm not hearing any feedback right now. If I drop off, if I drop off, the whole show's gone. You mean me, Dolly? Or did you mean Michelle? Because I know if I drop off, I'm it's it's over. Like it's the whole thing will be gone. But um, okay, good, good. I'm glad. So how's everybody doing? How's everything going? I need some conversation here. Um, we're really excited to have Kathleen back. It's been a while see what's been going on with her and all her, um, if you if you follow along with her, you know all about her discovery and everything that's been going. Thanks, Sen. um Yeah, and what's happening in your neck of the woods? I mean, here it's pretty darn cold in southern Ontario, but we still don't have any snow, although we're seeing it on the east coast, which is really funny, um, but we're still okay here, just really cold and everybody getting ready for christmas how's everything going there oh that's nice you got to see your daughter today how nice that's good that's why you were baking yesterday (laughs) yeah it's cold east coast is really cold but i'm really happy that we don't have um hi tamara how are you doing it's good to see you back this week tamara i was so worried about you haven't seen you in a while on there so um yeah i it's it's a little it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere but the weather here. So are you guys ready? Okay, There's Michelle. Yay!
2: What the freaking hell was that all about? Now you're
1: normal. <laughs> we we're just talking about
2: Christmas. Oh my
1: gosh. Okay. Yeah. One picture of my face is not a good idea.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm just. Wow. Gonna... That's. Oh, hold on
2: here because I have to get a lot of things back up and running. Oh, I hope you feel better. It
1: has been under the weather.
2: Okay, one second.
1: Yeah. So that's really good. Hello, Guardian.
2: Back up here. And there we go. There we go. All right. I'm going to bring. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to go back. You hear me okay, right? Yeah, perfectly. So, did, well, did you change your microphone? No, I did a restart. Don't ask me why. I have no clue. That's
1: yet. what Dolly said. You, I don't know. You know I what? Know. I thought it was me because I had two studios. It it double clicked. So I had two going. So then I got offline and I restarted. And I'm like, what the heck? Then I was giving you the thumbs up during the, the beginning, the intro. And then as soon as your mic went on, I'm like, holy crap.
2: Yeah. I don't know because I don't hear it. I have noise cancellation. I hear none of it. So what I'm going to do is introduce, you know, um, let you know who our guest is because now it's me for sure. (laughs) Um, Tonight, we are welcoming back uh, Dr. Kathleen Ann Ball. She's been on the show a few times. She's going to be discussing and touching on her book, which is newly released, called A Grail Quest. Discovery of a Knights Templar Cave in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Now she's discussed this before. There's a documentary out on Gaia. I think she's looking at doing a sequel Um, but she's had a lot of research and stuff in between which is why she's going to be joining us to sort of catch us up I guess you could say. (laughs) So as long as we can make it through all of this I think we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. I think everything is still intact. Mm -hmm. Sounds really good. Not just me but I had a whole pile of pictures up <laughs> so oh i, I know. know it happened okay sometimes. i don't know what happened you know i don't know dolly are we getting any cmes <laughs> it's like you know yeah. because the, i crazy. hope
1: they mentioned um, um an earthquake in mexico i hope everybody's okay i haven't watched the news so i'm not aware of oh. what's going on
2: oh i know so holy god i'm no ah uh, ha ha very funny <laughs>
1: No longer, no longer mash.
2: Mash. Thank you.
1: It it was yeah. I've never heard. You know when I when the last time I heard something like that when we were working
2: on with the box.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, Thank
2: and oh that Lord. was just like wait a minute. <laughs> Growlies is that what you're no, saying? No, no. The oh, I just this is crazy. I have no idea. You know, like I'm yeah. showing a strong internet. I'm showing everything is going. I'm plugged right in. I don't have wireless. No, I know. anything.
1: I don't know what it was. It could be just a cross connection or something with StreamYard when you, you know,
2: storms. storms.
1: Yeah, but it everything's uh, yeah. working when she wasn't on the board. So I don't
2: see. I don't know. I don't know. Now,
1: so now we're waiting
2: for Kathleen.
1: I'm not oh. far from Michelle, so it should be affecting me too. Okay. And it's not.
2: Link sent. I'm wondering if she's having problems. <laughs> Hopefully not. (laughs) I'm not either because we're working in February. Yeah. I'm just
1: grateful that, you know, you're back because otherwise it would have been canceled. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, because it's not like I can do anything from here, so
2: you're on the show that's all you need you're gonna no no guest. i'm saying
1: like i i wouldn't be able to post pictures for it. you have everything on your side i, I have, have everything i know hey, yeah, like, i wouldn't be able to do it hi
2: i know so well, that's our guest is here now so now we can Yay. get the show on the road we can and, going uh, yeah. and just
1: ignore the first five minutes thank you <laughs>
2: Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you. That's so Aww, kind. thank you, Sherrod. Sure, love oh, you. Oh, my goodness. We couldn't be doing what we're doing without all of you guys.
2: It's true. You guys make it that much more fun. And we know our guests love you guys, too. You're so supportive. So thank you. Uh, various earthquakes all over the place. Well, I'm just hoping it's not here or in uh, California with Kathleen. <laughs> so I the show so go sad. down one way or another. So stick <laughs> yeah. And
1: here she is. I can draw <laughs> stick people. That's it. Hi, Hi. How are you? Hi, Michelle. How are
3: you? Good. Good. How are, how are you? you?
1: Hi. How are you doing, sweetheart? I'm doing wonderful, Amelia. Good. How are you? How's your daughter? She's okay, thanks. She's, you know, hurtling, but hopefully getting there. Thank you for asking. How's your Great. family? You. I saw your, your pictures. Oh, thank
3: you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're getting, I'm getting ready to go to um, my daughter-in-law is donating one of her kidneys to her father. So we're going to be going for that transplant. We're leaving on the 12th or 13th. Beautiful gift. It depends on, on the weather back to Oklahoma for that. So,
1: yeah, I wish her all the best. And if she has any questions, please forward her my way. Because one thing I did learn through this process is that they don't give you the information until you get there. Yeah. They don't give you anything until you get to that stumbling point, because it's just too overwhelming. So if there's anything, um, you know, even with her dad, like, my daughter's the ambassador for the kidney foundation here. And she helps a lot of people go through recovery, because it's a recovery is a big deal. Yeah, it takes time.
3: Right.
1: So yeah, but I wish them all the best. Thank I you. Really yeah, know. we're really yeah. hoping.
3: Least, you know, because just- my, my daughter in law lost a lot of family members during COVID, so oh, it's like ah, we really don't want to lose him. So no,
1: yeah. but it's, yeah. it's a beautiful thing what she's doing, and she will she will bounce back. Really yeah good. I think she you know she's relatively young, so I don't think she's gonna have much
3: of a problem, you know no she's we're just gonna be caring for her dad. that's gonna be the big thing right now, and he's gonna be adjusting because he's in pretty you know he's not in the greatest shape, put it that way
1: yeah that that's usually what happens. my daughter was only at five or three three percent function when she went in. Oh, so wow. yeah, oh, yeah, wow. they really wait as long as they can when right. they're young because you have to redo this this is you have a second one going on later in life so
3: right right yeah Yeah, when I had my liver transplant they um I was pretty sick I'd had liver cancer for four years at the time when I had the transplant so
1: wow well I'm glad you're here with us and and well wait what was that I said, I'm glad you're here with us tonight, and well, it's good to see your face.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you too. You too. It's great to see both of you. Thank you. Yeah, lots of great stuff is happening. Um, Things are just really taking off. My research about connecting a lot of dots. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to the Disclosure Fest in Las Vegas last month and um, found that one of the, well, there's five crosses in the cave, um, and Four of them match some other glyphs in other parts of Europe, in in Portugal and Spain and France. But not only that, um, it happens to be w- one of the symbols that was used by the Templars in their initiation process.
2: Oh, so that's really interesting. So well, be- that, before
3: yes, found that out, and it was wow, connecting that dot. Apparently, this was pretty secret, and um, right. Yeah, right. Timothy Hogan well, happened to open it up in his
0: book.
2: I, and- I want to get right into that, but I want for, for everybody who hasn't tuned in, because I've explained you've been on before. But what I'd like to do is just a real general recap. So people who are just tuning in for the first time okay, can catch up and then you go, go have to go back and watch the archives mm-hmm. for all of the real detailed stuff. So, so why don't you just bring everyone in, um, with your discovery and then we'll continue on with all of the new stuff if you don't mind.
3: Excellent. So, yeah, so I, um, I was hiking in Brazil and with a girlfriend, and we were over there to actually go into a badiania to meet John of God. I was dealing with a liver issue at that time. And he wasn't available. So we decided to go up into the Chapada, which is about three and a half hours outside north of Brasilia. And um, and it got late. And we went through a couple of clutches on <laughs> the car. And so everything is, you know, it's uh, no automatic. There's very few automatic cars over there because mm-hmm. of the gas prices, <laughs> obviously. But anyway, so all those things, if those things hadn't happened exactly the way they did, we would not have ended up in Alta Parizo at all. We would have ended up in. You know, in Cabalconches, which is where we had our reservation for our posada, and um, it, I mean everything strategically just led us there. It was it was like it was you know destiny.
2: But Not anyway, so
3: um, it got dark, and and my girlfriend couldn't drive at night, and she was the only one licensed to drive that car. So she says, "Well, let's just stop someplace, you know, close." And we pulled up a you know on Google a couple of towns in the area. And she said, Alta Parizo. And I said, or she said, Alta Paraiso. <laughs> anyway, and I said, that's it. That's where we're going to go. And she says, and I said, what does that mean? And she says, Hi Paradise. I said, Yeah, absolutely. That's where we're going. <laughs> so we go, we end up in Alta Pariso at this wonderful little posada. And the next morning, I get up and I go out to, I, I walk into town, which wasn't far. And um, I'm talking to some of the locals, and I find out that there's these magnificent waterfalls all over this area, everywhere. There's like, I don't know, 40, 50 of them. And so um, we make some plans. I go back and tell my Adele, my friend. We make plans to go to Agua Fria the following day. And we hiked all the way down to the waterfall. It was magnificent, by the way. If you ever get a chance to go into this area, the Chapada National Reserve, do it because there's Mm -hmm. nothing like it on the planet. It's just a magnificent area. So we Mm -hmm. come back up from hiking, and the owner of the the camping pusada, which is on that property, he asks us if, if we want to see the adjacent property it has a whole bunch of crystals all over it. And it has this crystal vein that is just running through the property um, about two and a half to three kilometers long. And um, we said, yeah, you know, we'd love to. So he, he gets a hold of the uh, the caretaker next door and hooks us up with the guide over there. And we, we drive over there and we meet him. And he takes us on this trek about four or five kilometers down, straight down the side of the mountain.
2: Nice. <laughs> the
3: I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of you know 800 hectares of land, which is equivalent to about 2,400 acres, right? That's
2: crazy. That just yeah. will...
3: Anyway, we get, we get down about four and a half, five kilometers, and there's this crystal vein. And it's about a meter in height and about a meter in width. And it's just solid crystal and it just goes all along through this, you know, wow. this, this property. And all around it are probably hundreds of thousands of quartz crystals, different sizes from huge to smaller, you know, grouping clustered crystals and just I mean, there's just thousands of them laying everywhere. So he says, you know, you can pick up some and take them with you if you want. And so we do, we do, of course. Um And then he and it's hot. It's really hot that day. So he says, well, there's this little cave down about another kilometer or two down the hill. Um, You want to go over there and have some snacks and drink some water and just sort of, you know, refresh before we go hiking straight back up this mountain. And of course, we agreed to do that. And we get up to this cave opening, which you can't even see it. You can't even tell it's there. It just looks like this mound. It's all really you see is it looks like rock outcropping. That's all it looks like. Anyway, we get to what turned out to be the mouth of the cave. And he reaches up the bushes. He lifts the bushes up. And I just, I mean, I literally, my mouth just dropped. And I said, Oh my God, what is a Knight's template cross doing on this cave right? smack in the middle of nowhere and right. you know in all the buddies of Brazil. And he starts rattling off a bunch of stuff and of course it's in broken Portuguese and I don't understand a word of it <laughs> but I had to have it all translated when I got home. But um, basically he said that it had been there for hundreds of years and that the old women, still use that to go in and pray and meditate and do magic. And I was like, okay, but how does the, how did the Templars connect to this? And he didn't really understand. So that started it off. That was 2015. We couldn't get into the cave. That was filled with bats and spiders. I, I just shined a light. I walked in a little ways and I shined a light and I could see that there was graffiti and it looked like, um, it looked like there were some crosses in there and I couldn't really tell, but it looked very similar to the walls in dome France. When I had been in the dungeon where they had held the Templars in 13 from 1307 to 1314 before they killed them. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The tool markings were almost exact and the the crosses themselves looked very, very similar. So, I'm intrigued at this point, you know, I'm totally intrigued, and I can't wait to, you know, to get back and find out some more information about this cave, and so I get home, we go, we go to Abadi Anya, you know, that was whatever, that was an interesting experience, but um, I did not have a healing, I get home, nine days after I get back to the U.S., my house burns to the ground, and um, all my everything, all my art, everything, I lost everything I owned, and, Three seconds. It was wow. wow! Wow! And a six and a half weeks later, uh, I have to have a liver transplant. Um, the liver cancer had finally caught up with me. Oh, I'm sure the stress of losing the house didn't help. Yeah, this was six and a half weeks after I lost my That's house. Awful. Yeah. Gosh. Well, it was the it was the universe redirecting me. I didn't see it at the time. I didn't really understand what was going on. But I had a dream the night of the fire uh, we went over to a cabin that we had over in, in El Dorado County and that night I had a dream that I was in the middle of the fire and I was watching everything I own being turned back into the subatomic elements mm-hmm. and I was handed the gift of being able to take those elements and turn it into whatever I wanted to turn it into.
2: hmm
3: Toxic.
2: Oh, that's okay. No, we love pets. We, we don't mind the pets. <laughs> he's, he's, very he's very friendly. That's, that's okay. okay. So here, he so this,
3: well, this happened. You know, I have this this transplant, right after the fire, and then because of the anti meds that they give you, they're are toxic. It turns out, um, it caused nerve damage, and I lost a lot of hearing. Mm-hmm. So. I wasn't able to go back to the college to teach. I had been, I was an art professor for many, many years and I wasn't going to be able to go back. Well, A, because I was losing my hearing and B because I had lost all my curriculum, all my artwork. I mean, I had lost everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, I had a year. I decided to give myself a good solid year to recover from this operation and decide what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And, um, I knew I was going to have to recreate my career and and do something. So this cave just kept eating at me. And my girlfriend's ex, her, my girlfriend's daughter's ex husband, was a was from this vi- very close to the area in Altaparizo, and so he spoke the same dialect of Portuguese. <laughs>
1: That's, That's a cat behavior, though. okay. They knock everything down, right? they sassy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just channeling everything. But anyway, yeah. so... Um,
3: Pay attention to I me. To <laughs> now, thank you. It's okay. So, anyway, so I find out, you know, a little bit more about the cave um, that had been there for hundreds of years, and that the peop- the women were using it for um, to conduct magic spells and things. And, and so I'm even more intrigued, and, I, and I'm and i looking through my old photos when I was in France all through Dome, and I'm looking at these photos, and I'm going, my God, this is a Template Cave. There's no doubt in my mind at this time. But why are the tool markings so similar to the ones I found in 1307? Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think this cave is much older than – you know when when brazil was was his the, the history that said yes. brazil was discovered by cabral right in 1500s and i'm saying I'm thinking i this is older i know this is older so i start i start shifting gears and i decide okay so i'm going to start taking people on tours to these places that i go i've been traveling all over the world at this point for many years and taking students into Europe and, you know, all over um, and Egypt and India. And so I decide that I'm going to do that. So I think that the first thing I think is, well, I'm going to take people into this site. And the very first tour that I put together at at that point in time, we had some political things going on and the visas were canceled. Nobody could get a visa into Brazil. And at mm-hmm. time you needed to have one. So there goes my tour. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, so now what am I what am I supposed to do with this this historical? I mean, I need to get this out to people. So I decided to, to make a documentary. And um, so the first thing I have to do is go back into the cave. And I have to get some better footage of it. And I have to understand more about this cave. And so, 2017, I go back into the area. Uh, mm-hmm. By this time, I'm meeting people, and making friends in Brazil. And 2017, there's a huge fire that breaks out. So here we are, fire again. Again. <laughs> and yeah. it burns. It burns 1,500 hectares of land mm-hmm. all around my cave. <laughs>
2: Oh my, oh my gosh! gosh. So oh my
3: I'm not gonna get back in, obviously. So I decided to take a side trip and go to Peru. I'd wanted to. I'd always wanted to go to Nazca, and, and um, I wanted to get out to meet with Brian Forster and get out to um, Paracas and see the Paracas skulls and stuff. So I did. I ended up doing that, and I came back home, and I connected with a film producer, um, and so. I, I said okay, so I'm going to go back in on 2018. I found a photographer. We filmed the rediscovery of the cave, which was a three-day process that he just about gave up on. Um, he was to the point where, that's it, I'm done. He, we'd been hiking for three days. You know, he was exhausted. You know, lumping all this uh, equipment around, and he pretty much he was done. <laughs> and so I said, no, I know this cave is here. I'm going to keep looking and so I'm you know I'm the one hiking all over and I said okay we have to go back to the crystal uh, vein if we go to the crystal vein I know that at some point along this three kilometers I'm going to recognize something and and it's going to tell me where this cave is. so that's exactly what happened right walking up and down this crystal vein um both ways up and down this whole thing. And and I looked happened to look over. And I happened to see what looked to me like the cave uh, area. And so I went running down there. And, mm. and uh, he's telling me I'm crazy and everything. It was pretty funny. But anyway, so I go running down there. And I find the bushes and I sure enough I lifted him up and then I'm yelling at him, get down here. This is it. I found it. You know, I got it, whatever. And he so he comes down and we get, you know, we get it on, on videotape and um, I bring it back and we decide <laughs> to do a documentary. You know, I, I had talked with this film producer and in 2019 we started filming we started putting together the documentary uh, Freddie Silva came on board. I interviewed a couple of researchers in Brazil. I went back to Portugal and I interviewed a cross expert who is also a Templar in Tomar, Portugal, who verified that it was, yes, indeed, it was a Templar cross. And, uh, you know, and then there, that's that, that's how the story went. Right. So that pretty much, you know, that brings us up to date in terms of the discovery of the cave but right. um, since then I have found out so much more about the cave and about the symbols that are in it and also about the history of the Templars and the fact that they traveled globally mm-hmm. well,
2: right in the earliest, yes. yeah
3: early as the 11th century and right.
1: Yeah, so I yes. believe we're missing. There's a lot of places that we haven't even discovered yet where Absolutely. you know they've stayed because they Absolutely. would have to traveling treacherous oceans like that would mm-hmm. have to seek shelter and and a bit of you know respite before traveling again to go home. Right. So right. it just makes sense, and I and I feel like sometimes sometimes I think they just were trying to start out in different countries to keep that kind of peace going
2: right. We just have a quick question right we are we
1: piecing it together we're really
3: piecing the history together and there's a lot of people on board right now you know we have you know Hamilton yeah, he adores you. Yeah. we've got Gretchen Cornwall we've got Timothy Hogan you know we've got Freddie Silva myself um, you know Sean Williamson there's a lot of people that are on board piecing this story together right now mm-hmm. and um, and we're really making some headway we're really finding out some wonderful facts and history that um, we're all uncovering and we're hoping you know at some point to get together with all of this research and you know and reveal it I mean we all are in our books and things anyway separately we're doing it but um, but the, when we actually sit down when I went to the disclosure fest, that was such a treat because I actually got to sit down with um, Timothy and with Scott Walter and just talk about all of our research and, you know, this piece fits into this piece and it really helped broaden, um, broaden the range of information for me and also gave me some pointers of where to look Mm -hmm. and who to talk to. So it's, uh you know, it's just it's fascinating research, and like I said, going back into the cave in 2021 again was the last time I went back in there. Um, you know, and I was able to, to photograph all of the symbols in the cave, and then that's when it really got interesting because I found those same symbols in Peniche, Portugal, in Tomar, in Spain, in Greece and in Istanbul.
0: Mm.
3: So, and they're exactly the same type of cross. And then like, you know, getting together with Timothy Hogan, I found out that that specific cross that has a triangle at the bottom, Mm. signifies a specific initiation stage that is practiced and was practiced amongst the Templars and also the Masons later on.
2: Okay. I'm just trying to see. Did you send me a picture of that by chance? Uh, yeah. The crosses, the crosses
3: that I sent you. Um, it's the ones that, that are, it's a cross and it's got a triangle. Okay. Like an upside down shield. I'm going
2: to grab it right now just to show yeah, people. One sure. second. I'll stop the screen on this one. One second. Okay. righty, Here we go. And bam. This one?
3: Right. Well, this oh. is one, okay, this one here, these two are from Peniche. Okay. These two here are from Peniche, Portugal. They are on a building, by the way, that was built in 1099. So we have reason to believe that these, this particular cross, these two crosses here literally are from 1099. Wow. The one on the left looks really familiar,
1: Michelle.
2: Well, it right. looks similar to a little bit of the, the cross of Lorraine, a little bit, but it's got... It's got right. the uh, circle at the bottom, and it's got the extra bar. So, what mm-hmm. do you know? What that one signifies?
3: Um, you know, this this one on the left. I'm still doing research, and that I'm going to be going back into Portugal. I had a trip um, scheduled for October, but as you know, we had some things happen right. um, in our family that I wasn't able to of get. Of course. To. So I had to reschedule to February, and I'm connecting with the researcher there that has some old family records, Templar family records, and also um, these crosses. I'm hoping that he's gonna be able to clarify Mm -hmm. the significance of this particular cross that that I see on my left. The one on the right is consistent with the ones that are in my cave, and they are a symbol of of a specific initiatory stage in the initiation development and stages of the Knights Templar.
1: And I look at it and I see it as the Valencia, like as the, the the scale. Yeah. Like the almost like the symbol of Libra, because of you know the the two coming down from that. But that's because I'm not educated in Templar. But I'm saying mm-hmm. just to my eye, that's what I would see. But right. Dolly says the triangle represents the Delta symbol. Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, this, this one on the right, um, it, it actually represents the 27th, you know, there's 33 degrees, it actually uh, represents the 27th degree of initiation. So, um, mm. if you, you know, there's more, you can get even more information on that in Timothy Hogan's book um what is it novus um i can't think of the name it's a, anyway look up timothy hogan and it's um it's one of his his books that he's put
1: out recently yeah the 369 is also fibonacci
3: dolly's
2: father who i yeah, was a templar yes. so yeah um okay interesting interesting the, yeah
1: the 369 is also fibonacci theory so, yeah. It, absolutely so yeah you're
2: in great company kathleen <laughs>
1: So, yeah, my so great 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 uncle is Fibonacci Kathleen.
3: <laughs> yeah, this the symbols in this cave are just coming to life, and there's another one that looks sort of like a star, and that turns out that that was actually dates back goes back into Lemuria, and it was called the Lemurian Star. It's what okay. we refer so to it as now. Do I have so that one here? On? Though, that also represents um, initiation.
2: So, okay i'm just going to show a couple that you sent okay um yeah, we'll just on. we'll just take some hold on because there's another one there okay all right there we go bear with me just so we can i just want to make sure we get them all out uh we'll just we'll just spend uh, just a little bit of time with them and you can go ahead and talk about them and then we can move on there okay. we go okay wow <laughs> now
3: this this these crosses in here you see the same cross style oh. With the triangle at the bottom. Yeah. This is exactly what is in my cave. This yep. here is on the wall in Dome, France. And these were carved by the Knights Templar between 1307
1: and 1314. Wow. Do, do we know why there are so many? Does it represent each one that's been there or... Well, Do we know yet.
3: Be, this could be significant of the people that you know, the members that were in there, the Templar members yes. that were in there, as they completed this initiatory this 27th initiation. That um, could have
1: been completed for that reason. I don't know. We weren't right. there, obviously. No, but- I, no. I was just wondering if anybody had any information on that for you, because they're all identical, so you wouldn't know which Templar made that carving right. and right you know, it's very interesting
2: okay uh, let me go to the next there's one. so
1: many of them i can't get over how many that does lead to your theory i believe that right
2: okay. yeah
0: so
3: i'm really gathering and i have i have oh, quite a bit more evidence too um you know i i interviewed the kalunga people while i was there in 2021 i had been invited to come into there which is Come into their tribe, into their community, which is, uh, you know, it, it's like interviewing for a for a major for a big time corporate job or something. Right. First, you're interviewed by a, a gentleman, a young gentleman or two, and then you get to meet an older person, an older gentleman usually, and then you get to be. Then they take you to a home that's in Alta Parizo, but right. it's from the people. And then if you pass that test, you get to go into the
1: village.
2: <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Right, I, right.
1: I passed the test. Right. Well, it was it was meant for you. It was meant for you to be there.
3: Yes. It was yeah, meant for you to be.
1: There. Absolutely. So and then right
3: before I left to go into the to go into the village itself, a couple of the locals come and they tell me, well, you know, there's a lot of people that don't that have never been seen again.
2: that's good to know that's just very comforting
3: (laughs) thanks for that (laughs) the Kalunga people they were this particular village of people were from royalty from Africa and they got off the the slave ships just as they landed and they ran they took off and they went into all the Pariso not all the Kalunga. some of the Kalunga were just escaped slaves that came into this area um, and guess where they guess where they hid when they ran in the 1500s?
2: <laughs> Your cave? <My> cave. <laughs> yeah.
3: Not just that one cave, but they also told me there was other caves. There are more caves. Right. So oh, the next time I go back. You couldn't possibly house all of them. Yes. Yeah, so the next time I go back, they're going to take me and show me these other caves because oh. they're on their land in Kabul Conscience. So that's exciting, is So it?
2: Have, you, have you been to any of the caves? So, or are you so just...
3: this, this, what this does though, is it moves my dates back to before the 1500s because they told me these caves had already been there when they arrived. These caves were there when they arrived in the 1500s. They used them for as shelter until they could start building their little villages and things, and and they were in hiding. They were in hiding for several hundred years before mm. the Portuguese government finally acknowledged them and gave them some land.
1: <coughs> now, so there's a lot of um people, a lot of Portuguese citizens that immigrated to to Brazil. Yes, that's yes. why the official language is Portuguese. Too. Right. So yeah, mm. I that's have exactly. a lot of Portuguese friends that have family there. Right. Yeah, and there's typically.
3: You know, typically just about everybody that you talk to in Brazil has family in Portugal.
1: So I have to, because it's the only country in that entire continent where they don't speak Spanish. They speak Portuguese. Absolutely. So, so yeah, the rest of the country speaks Spanish. Right. It's the only one. It's the only South American yeah. country that speaks Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. I have family in Argentina and I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, Venezuela, Chile, everybody speaks Spanish. Brazil, but I think it's I think it's it's um, historic. It's just beautiful for Portugal. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. they have that. That's wonderful.
2: I'm extremely curious about the symbols you found. Brazil
3: itself is just an absolutely gorgeous country. I absolutely love Brazil. I've been, I've been there like six or seven times now. I go back just about every year. I have friends there now. In fact, I have. I was just contacted by some people that want to build me a house over there. Nice. <laughs> No, oh my place. gosh. I want hope to that snake, comes so. Yeah. So um, it just may happen. Who knows? I may retire in Brazil. Good uh, for you. If I would. retire, God knows that, that, you know, if I ever do retire,
2: but Yeah, that's hard, but at least it's a nice place to retire. Well, um, how retire. did you know about the symbols um that traced back to Ancient Myria? Because the ancient Americans were said to have made their way over to South America.
3: Well, they, it turns out I also have a, a researcher that contacted me and wants me to come to this little museum in Peru. Um, and he claims to have, and he showed me pictures, he claims to have some chain mail and some Templar artifacts um, that look to me like they could be somewhere between 11th and 1300s. Ah, um, so yeah. there's there's every reason to believe. Um, that the Templars were probably traveling throughout South America. You have to remember that when they did finally announce the discovery of Brazil, they didn't call it Brazil. They called it Cruz, And they told all the other monarchies in Europe that it was an island. And the reason they did that is because they didn't want anybody thinking that it was a huge, massive continent because they wanted the rights to it and they wanted to explore it which is um, what I believe they did. Makes but, sense. Right, yeah, and, right. and then and then we get to throw, you know, the wonderful surprise into the whole mix. And uh, I I found out on my third trip over there that my cave outside of Alta Parizo is actually a gold mine.
2: Wow. <laughs> It's a gift that keeps on giving.
1: You need to start carving. (laughs) Just like...
2: Right? It
3: fits fits into this scenario If the Templars were going back and forth and mining gold because what was happening in 1300s is all of the monarchies throughout Europe were broke. They had been contributing to the Crusades, trying to take back the Holy Land, and they were broke. This was the reason why... King Philip the Fair went after the Templars to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Because he wanted he owed them right. a bunch of money, and and he also wanted what they had.
1: So yeah, he did. He wanted the land and everything. But yeah.
3: Portugal, Portugal was not broke.
2: Mm.
1: Portuguese King King
3: Dennis in 1307 they was not broke. He was building. He built a fort in Peniche a nautical uh, it was basically a nautical college or fort in Penish mm. that was manned by the templars which he later renamed the knights of christ in what like, 1314 um, right. when they were you know they were officially disbanded That's- but he was still building they weren't broke king Dennis was not broke so they had to be getting an influx of gold and silver from somewhere mm. And we know that there were numerous silver mines throughout um, Peru. And now we know that there were gold mines in Portugal, I mean, in Brazil. So I think this is, you know, it makes perfect sense. I think that not only were the Templars traveling between the 11 and 13, 13, 1400s, back and forth from uh, Paniche in Dubai, Mm -hmm. uh, Bahia. and I think they are originally escorted by the Amazonian tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that tip in Portugal by one of my fellow researchers, that the Amazonian tribes were the ones that actually led them from the coast in coast, you know, into. Oh, so, so you
2: figure they came across the bottom then, as pardon? opposed to you figure they came across the bottom as opposed to coming in across the top, like the northern part of North America down right. the coast. Okay, right. that's interesting.
3: Yes. That's, and, that's
2: quite the journey.
3: Right. According to um, my friend, you know, my re- a researcher over there, that the current Templars also took a trip that started in Central America and went all the way into the coast of Brazil to Bahia. And they traveled. That's what they think was the same route that the Templars took. But what was interesting that he told me is that they were following Stones that the Templars had placed throughout that whole area, and they left mason marks on those stones. So, this is this is amazing, so exciting to me because yes. I have also I've also been uh, invited. I was invited into the Amazonian tribal people in 2021, um, which was totally exciting. And um, and so I am going to ask them to take me on that route because I want to photograph all of those Templar stones, all those rocks and things with the with the Mason marks. Now, what I found out recently is that talking with some researchers at the Disclosure Fest, that those Mason marks were not necessarily Mason marks. They were um, they were put there to communicate. They were directional um Marks to to basically they were codes basically for the later Templars to follow to be able to get back into Alta Paraiso.
2: Wow, it's fascinating that with all the growth, you know, right. uh, in the forest, that you would have found all those those marks, all those stones, and those mason marks, especially I- in a trail. And so,
3: you know, I, I want to go on that track myself. I want to follow that path myself and see them and photograph them and try to understand what this language, you know, what this these symbols were, uh, were signif- what they signified. Mm-hmm. And, and they were obvious. This is what's interesting, too, is they were obviously let, left there and carved into these, these stones for later Templars to follow. Mm-hmm. And so that that also goes goes along with the prophecy that the Templars would return in seven hundred years, which they did because I was there in 2019 right. for that reunification ceremony that they had in in uh, Tomar, Portugal, where mm-hmm. they all came together and signed that pact in Armoral, right. and then they had the follow-up procession in Tomar. I filmed that whole thing, right. so so that that corroborates that. You know, and it's like, okay, so the Templars really did reunify 700 years later, and they're stronger now than they ever were.
2: Right, right. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, when you think about the fact that they never really were, they never disbanded at all, even after 13, they were. You know, they, I, were all, they, they were going like way before. Finish. They were going way before what we were Led to believe, you know, bringing five guys to the Holy Land. Come on, it just is not a thing. Five you know? guys doesn't—they like don't. Sound right. They were already there as the <laughs> hospitalers right? And then, yeah. and then there's there was a whole Templar community right. in Portugal, and it's just being misled, is what I'm saying. Like you know, it's it's selective. We don't need to know. It's on a need to know basis. We didn't need to know, but now that all of this is coming to light you know, researchers like yourself, Freddie Silva, especially, I mean, you know, 19 years and writing. my gosh.
3: King you know, of Templar it. Nation. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's just like, come on. But things make sense. So now they can't really suppress the information because it's, the evidence is starting to surface.
1: Yes. Who's trying to keep it from getting out though? Is it, is it the Masons? Is it the Templars? Is it the church? <sighs>
2: i don't well, know who is but it Fre- freddie found a lot when he was on he, the show he really yeah, the found a lot. Have
3: always been they've always recognized uh, very similar to where the, the masons and the rosicrucians do they've acknowledged all religions and what i believe their ultimate agenda is to create a sovereign world where we are all you know accepting of each other and similar to what portugal you know the templar nation that the portugal that the yes. Templars created in portugal if right. you go into portugal there's still you know uh, medieval uh festivals that are dedicated to all of the different nationalities yes. religious backgrounds economic right. backgrounds of the people that created portugal and there's I mean, you see Moors, you see Supi, you see every mm-hmm. kind of influence, Islam, mm-hmm. you see Druid, you see um, Cathar, you see yes. all these, yeah, you see all of these, um, you know, people that represent these different nationalities and groups that were all protected by the Templars in Portugal. They mm-hmm. had created the only country in Europe yes. where right that that, <clears throat> that kept the Inquisition at bay and they protected these people that the church were calling heretics.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree well the Inquisition had its place it did its damage for sure but nothing like and, the rest of so, Europe you
3: know, I, I honestly believe that that's what their ultimate agenda is is to bring about you know heaven on earth whatever you want to call it um, the second coming whatever you want to call it. But a a time in history that is still in our future, obviously, because we're doing all this crazy stuff, Uh, a time in history where we have harmony and respect for each other and can actually focus on our spiritual growth um, and on our potential, fulfilling our potential as human beings, as human species that have both a, a physical aspect And a spiritual aspect to us so that we can actually, you know, we can actually fulfill that potential at some point. And I really believe that that's what the ultimate Templar agenda is.
2: Well, they were the keepers, you know, of of lost knowledge. You know, from the old mystery schools. I mean, you know, when they were on that Temple Mount, they weren't just looking for artifacts; they were looking for they were looking for knowledge, and they found it, and they applied it, and they're still today the keepers of all of that.
3: Absolutely, you know, and um, <laughs> I, I I'm convinced they found Phoenician maps because the Phoenicians were traveling
0: oh, all over the globe. <laughs> You know, yes.
3: for anybody that we know of in modern history um, yes. and I think that those maps fell into the hands of the Templars at that point and I also don't think that it was accidental because some of the research that I've uncovered now in the Rosicrucian Library indicates that there were a band of knights created during the building of the second temple in Jerusalem by Zerubbabel mm. to protect the <laughs> builders of the temple and what my research, this is why I'm so excited about going to Portugal. Right. Is I, think I may have connected at least one or more of the family as being descendants. The Templars that, that originated in 1040-1090, by the way, I'll get into that in a minute. Um, may have actually descended from original families that were knights from this order that Zerubbabel put together in 600 BC. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that they were Mm -hmm. over in the Holy Land blindly. I think that they knew exactly what they were doing. They were absolutely now. I think that they they had genealogy and I think that they had oral traditions that were passed down to them. And I think they knew exactly what they were getting, what they were after over there.
2: Oh, a hundred percent! It didn't just start off with, you know, absolutely. five knights that went in and <laughs> you're trying to migrate, you know, hundreds and thousands and of they, people across they, the Holy they, Land. Five guys, guys five guys can't do that. None guys
1: can't. Guys can't get across town without stopping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no. they don't ask for directions.
3: No,
0: so I'm sure it was <laughs> a lot
1: more than that. No, I know, mean,
0: absolutely.
3: Who's gonna stay in some broken down stables when they could have stayed in the palace? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean. They were certainly invited to stay at the palace, but they yes. requested to stay in the stables.
2: Yes. Wow. Yes. No, exactly exactly. You know, there's there's just so there's so much that's out there and it's all starting to surface. And and, and there's some stuff that will be kept at bay that only a select few will be made privy to. And the time may come. I hope it's in, you know, my lifetime. Where that know. knowledge can be freely shared, but it, it's Me one too. of those things along with it's, great knowledge comes great responsibility. I'm having a Spider Man moment,
1: you know, but I think someone said it before Spider
2: Man, but yes, it's you know, just when,
1: when
3: I was there during the procession, I literally, as I was walking down from the castle, the Convento Cristo, which was a Templar. Stronghold back, you know, back then in in the medieval times, um, all Mm -hmm. the way up through the Knights of Christ during the time that they're Knights of the Christ. um, While I was walking along with these Templars through this procession down into town to the St. John Church, St. John the Baptist. And then finally, we ended up at the church dedicated to Mary Magdalene, by the way, and lit the cross. I was literally weeping because I was so. It touched me so deeply because I felt like something in me was being reborn. Along with everyone there mm-hmm. was feeling the same thing because you. If I looked into the eyes of these people, and by the way, there were both male and female Templars in this procession.
2: That's right.
3: So this was interesting, and right. when you look into their eyes, and you just. You can see the same feeling that I felt the same feeling that I was feeling, that I could see reflected in their eyes. There's just mm-hmm. this, this, this tremendous joy for to be there at this time in history, rebirthing the Templars, but not just rebirthing a Templar, you know band of, of Templars, but a global organization again. Where they were all there, they're all now working together towards a common agenda, and I mean, this was this was one of the most powerful events in my entire life.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, I. Agree I think they were doing it way back then. I mean, so many people figured that all these different nations, these different countries, were warring with one another. It's like no, they weren't warring. You know, the Muslim Templars weren't at war with the Christian Templars. I mean, you read about the sharing of knowledge between them. I won't say you didn't have, you know, you every group's got their, you know, their bad seeds, so to speak. But on an average, this information was all shared information.
3: Absolutely
2: absolutely. Well, you know, the the Phoenicians did the
3: same thing. If you think about it, the Phoenicians accepted people from all different walks of life and all religious backgrounds and all the same thing, you know? So this, this, this was not something new. This was not, you know, this was an idea that had, had begun in, well, who knows where it began, but it was Mm -hmm. practiced in Phoenicia and uh, the Phoenicians practiced it and the Templars got you know, obviously, got these records, and I think that um, it went along with their agenda, and they probably studied how they went about it. You know, they, they probably did because they they basically did the same thing when when they conquered the Moorish castles in Portugal, they turned around and then asked their brethren to stay and gave them land to stay mm-hmm. in port. I mean, yeah, in Portugal. And right. when I was in Sintra, I actually went to a memorial where Templars and Islam um, soldiers had been fighting. And at the end of the war, they were all buried together in the same memorial. There I mean, was, that was really powerful. And, mm-hmm. and what I was told is that once the war was over, that was it. All that hatchets were buried. People were given land. They all lived together together. And, that mm-hmm. harmony. and that's the way it was. They also let the, the Cathars come in, the Druids come in when they were, and the Jews, um, they let the Jews come in and protected all of these people that the church considered, you know, her- heretics.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I think back, I mean, I think you get little hints, you know, in different films that – they put out there I think it's all strategically done but one that I I liked was the Kingdom of Heaven with um, Orlando Bloom about mm-hmm. the Templars and the Crusades when uh, Saladin took back you know the Temple Mount and what I found to be very interesting was he basically has stated that everyone could stay and everyone would be protected and if they wanted to leave no harm would come to them and that was a Templar way.
3: Right. It was. It was. Saladin had a great deal of respect for the Templars. Um, yes. You know, anything that you see that's left to us uh, from history, um, you know, his verbiage, the way he described and talked about the Templars, he obviously had a great deal of respect for them.
2: Yes. Yes. But he had them in his in his own circle as well. Right. You know, I mean, there, there were very far and wide. The, I think the fact that they made it this far and wide to me is what makes it so fascinating because you hear about them coming to North America, obviously, you know, there's, there's still discoveries being made, which I mean, yours being one of them, which basically shows that there is more to be found. And there's,
3: yes. and there's so much more, Michelle, you know, Amelia. There There's so much more that's going to be found too. I mean, I have reason to believe that there's some research that's going to be divulged here real soon. And we're we're going to see some really exciting discoveries here in the next year. Uh, oh, all absolutely. The world. You know, just, just in my own travels through India and into Istanbul, when I was down in Cappadocia and Durankuyu down into the, tu- you know, the tunnels. I saw numerous crosses and evidence that that showed me that the Templars were in that area. Also in Greece, and after talking with Timothy Hogan, I found out, you know, that, yes, indeed. I mean, all the things that I have theorized, and but not written about because I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure. I have, have all been corroborated now. Yes, the Templars did organize in Greece, and they went from Greece to Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. And mm-hmm. so the crosses and things that I saw that I believed were associated with the Templars were
1: actually associated with the Templars.
3: And, mm-hmm. and even here in Kuyu, you know. Even,
1: Kuyu. Sorry, even in this direction, I mean, we had the Dukes son last week. They are the grandchildren of Jesse James, and they were talking about Templars.
2: About Jesse's <laughs> connections with the Templars, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, that,
1: wouldn't, that wouldn't James. surprise me at all. Right? Yeah. Jesse James. Yesterday, Dennis Stone, Stonehenge of America, talks about the Templars. I'm like, wow. You know, this isn't
3: Yeah, look at all the stuff that we found in North America that points yeah. to the Templars. I mean, there's a tremendous amount. So now we have India. We've got you know, North America, South America. We've got India. We've got Turkey. We've got Africa, of course. We have... um Ethiopia, mm-hmm. we have several countries in Africa. You know, It I'm, makes sense I because that's so close to Jerusalem.
1: To you know, yes. Where are we going to turn up next? <laughs> well, I would imagine any one of the countries in the continents of that side would have been touched by them. To to see evidence of it through, you know, Canadian St. Lawrence rivers and into the U.S. is is a little bit shocking still for me. Yeah. Like it's a little surprising for me. I I want to see it myself, kind of thing, you know.
3: So oh, I'm like wondering
1: why were they here. So well, you
3: know, the next film we're getting ready to uh, to put this next this next film will be out. We're producing it now, and uh, I have the trailers out on my website. As a matter of fact, so oh, that, it's going to be an exciting episode because. I go inside the cave. I show all these things inside the cave in this next film. And I'm also uh, interviewing the Kalunga on tape. So that's going to be in the film. I go into the Amazon jungle and spend 10 days with the Huni Queen people. But they weren't the ones that actually guided the Templars. It wasn't their people that guided the Templars. But they knew of tribes that did. Mm-hmm. So they, they were aware of these Europeans that had come in. Um, of course, they can't give you dates because their dates, it, it, they don't think the same way. They, they don't think in a linear way mm-hmm. like you. So we say, you know, 1500, 1700, whatever. They don't think that way. Um, they, it's really a beautiful way they do it, you know, the way they do believe, though. But everything's all sort of happening at once. They refer to the past, but it's all part of their current uh, traditions and ways and it was just beautiful living with them. And I actually was uh, had an amazing experience while I was there. Um, I had been trying to get off anti-rejection medications for five oh, years, yes. six years by this time. And I had been weaning myself. I had been doing a lot of spiritual work around it. Um, the, the anti-rejection medications were killing me. They were slowly oh, poisoning so hard. Yeah, and my kidneys were all were now being affected, and I was desperate. To really, I really was serious and desperate about getting off these meds. I had tried the year before, and I was able to get off of them for about six months, and then I had uh, I had an operation where I had my cochlear implant um, so that I could hear better as a result of the nerve damage that were caused by antirejection meds. Uh-huh. Anyway, so twenty twenty one. I'm, I'm interviewing the Huni Queen chief. And we have this amazing past life memory that we both share. And so he, when he said to me that he had been waiting for me, um, that he knew I was going to come at this time in history, and he had been waiting for me, and he adopted me as his daughter. So he actually took me into the family and adopted me. And then he asked me if there's anything that I really desired, was what my heart's desire in terms of healing, because he invited me into the ayahuasca
2: ceremonies. Mm, very um, powerful ceremony.
3: I went through the ayahuasca ceremony, the first one, with my you know my photographer and my uh translator my god right.
2: and <laughs> how was that because that and, can and be I guess, I that's life changing
3: i was just embraced by love um and it the and i stopped taking my interjection meds the day before the ceremony on faith
2: mm-hmm.
3: and i haven't had to take any of them since it's been over 2 years Good wow
2: phenomenal it's a it's a really life changing experience some people cannot make it like past like just the first hour you know oh, just, ayahuasca well a lot yeah of you really have it. to face yourself face right. your demons face everything you also have to Some face a bucket throw up profusely well, they just they can't get past that well, right what i had to do was work
3: with the spirit of this liver the man that gave me the liver and i had to find out who in the family was still holding on to him and mm-hmm. I had to meet basically with that person spiritually, mm-hmm. so that, and it was his wife. Um, let because she's Catholic, and she didn't she believed that his liver should have been buried with him. Right. So I had to meet with her basically in the spiritual realm, and work through that. That took months, months and months. And months. That's a yeah. Families can interfere.
1: Difficult. Families yeah. can interfere on organ donation, unfortunately. Yeah, well, It doesn't matter what you wish. I had to put it in my will because uh, you can't just have it, it on your driver's license.
3: Yeah, it's not something that I advocate for people that have had transplants to do, by the way. It's not because it's a very serious undertaking. It took me six years. It was not something that I just wanted to do and went and did. That's no. the way it works. Um, but it did happen for me and I was able to do it and I have been You know, um, anti-anti-rejection med free now for over two years, and my doctors are just pleased. They're very pleased because Mm -hmm. it was looking like if I kept if I stayed on those meds, I would have ended up having to have a kidney transplant next, and then God knows where that would have led. So, um, so for Mm -hmm. me, it was the right path. I don't advocate it. I'm not here to advocate that for other people because spiritually. You really have to know
1: what you're doing.
2: Yeah. So, essentially, yeah. kids follow the advice of your doctors. <laughs> As you know.
1: Yeah. And if you want to be a, a donor, case, we
2: can't need for medical yeah. misinformation. If you want to
1: be a donor, you need to speak to your your doctor and yeah, your family. That's right. And your family. <laughs> Discuss it with your family, is what I'm trying to say, if that's yeah, something you really yeah. want to do. Yeah.
2: Yes.
3: And, you know, for me, it was sort of the end. Um, or the end of that segment of my grail quest, which is what mm-hmm. our, my book is about. I wrote a book about that whole backstory of discovery of the cave and just the, um, the, the, definition of a grail quest an initiation process. Um, and that's, that's what the book is about. It came out in July and, um, you know and i talk in depth about about my healing in peru the first one where i healed the seven tumors i talk about you know all the spiritual meetings that i had with specific people a mm-hmm. nun in france who had been waiting for me the same thing i i talk about the ayahuasca ceremony in peru i talk about the ayahuasca ceremony in brazil and i i go in depth in this uh, about What I experienced and the process that I went through. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: uh, you know, and I also talk about the cave, and I have lots of pictures in there about the cave, um, about the inside of the cave, and pictures that over in in Europe and different places and locations that I knew about at the time
2: Mm
3: -hmm. um, that are the same as that are in my cave. So,
2: right, right. I think that's amazing. Mm
3: -hmm. So,
2: um, you're working on the second documentary. Yes, obviously. So where like from this point now do you get to go examine other caves? Have you yes. examined any other caves um, to see if this was something that was territorial or was it just an isolated cave?
3: Well, I've been invited, like I said, I've been invited by the Kalunga back into the Cabo which is where they, this particular tribe of people, um, this is where they own this land right. and I have been invited back uh, that they will take me into these caves. And so that's, that's hopefully going to happen this next year. When I
2: your last show you were talking about going in there with a the metal detector. Did you get to do that? Did you get to do what? Do you remember uh, from on the last show you left off with, I have a metal detector waiting for me. Oh, when yes, I, get I, back.
3: I had a metal detector. Yeah. Okay. That's how I found the goal. By the ah. way, I found out that there was gold there and I gave that I gave that metal detector to the Kalunga as a gift. Aw.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, that's beautiful. I, yeah. I'm glad you got to do it. I was wondering yeah. how that went. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so. one thing
3: one thing led to the next, you know, this is just been this on this ongoing quest,
2: you know, yes. that
3: keeps getting bigger and more exciting. And, you know, the more I look, the more is revealed and the more questions that I have. Yeah,
2: That's always the way. Now, did did the people in the area ever find artifacts? Like, do they have anything stowed away or anything they were able to show you? Have artifacts ever been found? No, what the Kalunga told me,
3: um, the reason I'm not finding artifacts is because they took everything that was everything that wasn't, you know, part of the earth um, to survive. They repurposed every single thing they found. They um, traded the gold through other people, a lot of the gold, um, to survive. Right. They were, they were desperate, you know, they were desperate to survive. And, uh, so I, I completely understand, but there wouldn't, there's no, nobody's going to find, I don't think we're going to find any artifacts. I think the only thing we're going to find is, um, you know, the symbols in the caves, unless there's a cave that nobody has found yet. Um, well,
2: maybe. There, there I are mean,
3: Templars in, in Europe that believe that I am going to find the treasure.
2: Right. So you figure that they buried it there. I mean, some cave systems are very extensive, so you never know. Right. But what happened to your Templars? Do you they, they just sort of, you know, blended in with the community? And remains, like they didn't leave.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I do believe that they they blended in with the, with the, the locals. You know, they basically the the order itself had been dissolved in thirteen fourteen, so they were no longer bound by their vows of chastity.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: they, uh, I think, at that point, they they married into the locals. They the little the ranch that was just below the cave probably 10 kilometers below the cave, which is actually in a, uh, borders in a little town called Moino, um, was actually, the locals have told me that that was actually a Templar property. And that's where I found that mill wheel that matched oh. the one in Tomar and also matched the one in Sintra. It was exactly the same. Um, and those are both early uh, 12, 1300s. Wow, Europe. So So, this property, and the woman has a sluice box on the property. (laughs) That's that's
2: crazy. Do you think you'll find a cemetery where they'll have the symbols?
3: No, I didn't find any symbols on her land. But then I didn't really search. You know, I just I only went into the areas that she allowed me to go into. So you know.
2: Wow. Maybe next
1: time you'll be able to get into
2: more. (laughs) Okay, I have to hold that thought because we have to do a station and sponsor ID. Yes, <laughs> It's that time. I know.
1: Yes, because we know. haven't had enough technical difficulties tonight, the two of us. So, <laughs> yeah, it's the end of the week, kids. You are listening to The Outer Realm with Michelle DeRosci and Amelia Fazzano coming to you live from the gorgeous, city of New Orleans on 105.3 and 107.7 FM radio, as well as Roku channel. And hopefully by the new year, we'll have some news for you. And that's all I can say. Our special guest tonight is dear friend and, of course, special guest and expert <laughs> and artist and beautiful and everything magical, Dr. <laughs> Kathleen Ann Ball is with us, and she's giving us more information and details about her mysterious Knight's Templar Cave in Brazil. And we shared some pictures, too. So I suggest if you're hitting audio, you might want to, you know, if you're just tuning in, wait for the archive and watch it on our YouTube channel so that you can participate because we love a good show and tell here at the outer realm just saying if you're just tuning in and you missed it don't worry about it just stream us on any archives i mean stream our archives rather sorry on any platform you normally use simply search united public radio network and then look for the outer realm with michelle and Amelia, and you'll find all our archives there and you can listen to the previous shows with kathleen as well so don't forget to share us there either. And um, we're coming up on our 400th episode this month, Michelle. 400. And only because of the wonderful people at Folgers Coffee for your continued support. Thank you so much for sponsoring our show from literally day one. And that was in 2020, I believe. And we are heading to four years with you and we are so grateful and we deeply appreciate all that you do for us our fabulous banner and promo media is a horror illustrator i am so tongue-tied today that's enough. (laughs) seriously
3: enough what a
1: rough day Uh, we want to give a big shout out to steve mcginnis he is a horror illustrator a fantastic artist and it's not just horror so if you like his work and who doesn't can check you can contact steve he creates commission pieces as well and he can be found on all social media platforms loving our intro because we do and we love the man behind the intro thank you to dr snick the sonic surgeon justin is an award-winning composer a vocalist and a musician and you can also find his music on amazon bandcamp any platform that you stream on Check him out, he's fantastic. You can find Dr. Snick on Facebook and Instagram. And as I've said before, he posts the coolest little videos with his music. They're so phenomenal. And if you are doing stories on Instagram or on social media, search Dr. Snick and you can use his clips for your stories. They're a lot of fun and we just love his music. Now, if you're watching us on Facebook Live or YouTube, please make sure to give us a like hit that subscribe button right now. If you're watching us on the outer realm, YouTube hit subscribe and like please. And thank you. And don't forget to share us with your friends and family.
2: And we're back. So uh, I'd like to address this one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, Kathleen did a documentary on her, um, discovery of the night's temple of cave in Brazil. So it's on Gaia. Is that correct? It's still on, yes, Gaia, it's still on
3: Gaia till the end of the year. And, um, and then we're going to see what we're going to, we haven't decided exactly what we're going to do. We have a couple offers and some options. So I'm just not sure which way we're going to go with it, but until December 31st, it is available on Gaia TV. Um, you can also stream it on Amazon and um, yeah and it's it's the brazilian templars mystery and it's uh, you know we we just hit 100 what was 107 no, 579 100 and something views good for you
1: congratulations and there
2: is Beautiful. nothing
1: like a great historical documentary around the holidays to watch with your family it really is it's it makes your great conversation keeps you from fighting with half of them And it's just phenomenal. Like who wouldn't want to sit down with their family and watch that? Mm -hmm. We watch all kinds of historical, we watch religious stories. This is, this is something that is so important and in present in our daily lives. It's happening as we're living. I think it's important for everybody to, you know, try to get, try to watch that if you can and, you know, or subscribe to Gaia. I mean, they have phenomenal (laughs) shows. And then you can get you can watch Kathleen's work because she is phenomenal
3: <laughs> thank you
2: so what's next what's next well, for you with all of this
3: well I I really had a chance while I was writing the book to reflect on the actual Grail aspect of my okay. own journey throughout from the time of my near-death experience in 1990 all the way up to the discovery of the cave and beyond and to the healing that happened which is also you know oftentimes compared to the end of a grail quest because the the, the grail the liquid in the in the um, in the uh chalice is right. supposed to heal right it's supposed to heal the uh, the person that's on the quest right. and so that's been something that's been associated now this is what i was saving for for now. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) In-depth conversation with Timothy Hogan, I found out that the fifth step in the alchemical process is to take the white powder, the calcinated powder, and turn that into a red liquid. And guess what that liquid's called? the blood of Christ. Mm. Even more important, the mm. chemical, the chemi- many of the chemical um, breakdown, the chemistry of it is very similar to ayahuasca. Wow, wow, <laughs> wow. So this would make huh. sense that I would have an ending to that portion of my grail quest, a healing with ayahuasca
2: wow right
1: right never do. would i put the two together
3: i i hadn't until i just knew that it intuitively i knew that i had been on my own grail quest and i had mm-hmm. been through initiations i had been studying kabbalah for what 40 years
2: that's all, that's all that i saw ancient mystery school I, stuff I, I yeah. knew that
3: i was doing i was following my own initiatory path and i was on my own quest But when I found out that that liquid had the same properties as ayahuasca, I was just like, well, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Total Mm -hmm. total sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there is that fifth process in the outcome in in alchemy.
2: alchemy. After
3: Mm -hmm. you calcinate and you get that white powder that's considered mana or mana. Right.
2: that's right. That's
3: right. Gave to the people right while well, yes. they were in the desert. That manna um, is is very powerful. Also, but yes. the next stage is actually a healing has healing properties. And so, I mean that that just absolutely blew my mind because that's exactly what happened to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right, and, and I, I <laughs> makes you think about how many faithful would. You the thought of alchemy that's like witchcraft to some people and so this sort of a combination right. you know how do you think right. that would go Well, the
3: that. other thing about it is that you know the other thing I found out is that the, that a, a grail quest can be taken by anyone yes because All I had yes. no idea what I was doing I never had any idea of what I was doing while I was doing it all I was doing was following my inner prompting
2: you were led. And
3: my intuition, that's, that's all right. I ever did. Yeah, yes. it led, led and me. called. Yeah. It you led, were led. the whole process that's now been 33 and almost 34 years later. Here we are. Right. And I have, I have discovered a cave. I've met with nuns. I've met, you know, all these things have happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, that has been my quest. That has been my own
1: grail. Right. Quest. Kathleen, well, do you do you? Oh, sorry, Michelle. No, no, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Do you feel that perhaps in a past life? <laughs> seriously, <laughs> why not? Absolutely, absolutely. right. That's well, what we, I'm wondering. Yeah. If you're reliving it to bring it back to life and bring the story forward.
3: Right there, there is no other explanation for you know that none. My husband was just absolutely flabbergasted. He didn't know what to think when we got to um, Marseille. And that nun opened up the cathedral door and grabbed me and started crying and holding me and hugging me and telling me, I've been waiting for you, madame. I've been waiting for you. You know, mm-hmm. I waited. And when you, I learned English in college so that when you came, I could speak with you and, mm-hmm. you know, hustled me off into her, uh, you know, into her studio or study and drew me this map. And and I went on this map and it was a whole another spiritual experience that happened, but my point is, is there has been no accidents. These are not accidents. These mm-hmm. it's told twice by two different Templars
1: that this is my destiny. Absolutely. You know? You've had mm-hmm. some huge traumatic experiences to get you there as right. well. Like life-changing experiences that, you know, came That's, in. That's because said, this you were supposed to way... be
2: pushed into the direction and they wanted yes. to make sure you couldn't turn back. Exactly. You were you meant know? to only go forward, and they, it, it, the life events made it so you couldn't turn back. Right. You could only move in one direction, and that was forward with this. Right. That's a calling. It is.
3: You know, yeah. I mean, even down to the fire. You know, the fire liquidated everything I owned, basically. That's right. Travel light. <laughs> needs some funds to be able to continue the quest.
2: I know. Travel I mean, light. Right. I mean, so, you can't and take all that with you.
3: None of that stuff really matters anyway. We don't take any of it with us. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> important in the spiritual realm, I can tell you that from my near-death experience, none of that stuff matters. No. Right. Absolutely none of it. It's right. only here for our purposes of growth. That's all, it's all tools. All that stuff yes. is tools to use for our spiritual growth and some fun things. And as we achieve things, if we have, we put a goal ahead mm-hmm. of us, we have to jump through certain challenges and certain hoops. And that's what the money is used for is to get through those hoops and whatnot, that's right? right? And all that stuff. But that's really all is so that we can go in the on the physical plane that we can have our own spiritual journey which is going to benefit us when we get to the other side.
2: That's right. That's right. No, I I think it's it's exciting. I'm I I commend you for your perseverance because you did have to go through some pretty big hoops, oh, um, yes. right? And I am really excited to hear about the next leg of all this, going down there and being able to explore the other caves just to see. If there, there was something, if, if it was even bigger than what you think it is, right. or, you know, centered to one cave, it maybe, they, maybe things just sort of got spread around because they knew the Spanish were in the area. They knew people were, you know, conquesting and trying to get gold and everything else. They would have had to have been so strategic about where they put things.
3: Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I would not be surprised one bit if if I if I found that, you know, a a portion of the treasure. Personally, I think it's been dispersed in different parts of the world.
2: I agree.
3: I don't think that any of it was buried. I don't think it was buried all in one place. I think that these things would have been silly. locations absolutely yes. negligent too yeah yeah. And, it, yeah and if I didn't discover it I've already told the Templars um, that I will turn it over to them I don't have any interest other than my you know just historically documenting and I want to photograph and I want to research whatever it is if I do discover it but as far as the physical property I want it to go to the Templars because that's who it belongs to From mm-hmm. my opinion the way I feel about it Right. I since I align myself with their agenda, um, you know, I I believe that it should go to them to further that agenda and that that's the purpose for it. And uh, and with that is actually the title of my of my book that's going to be coming out next year. I'm in the process now of I'm on about the sixth chapter of uh, the Templar
1: agenda, which is...
2: Ha, I love oh, it. Oh, I love that. I see another episode in the making.
1: Great <laughs> titles. I know. I
3: know. Great, great titles. Things.
2: Yeah. And my cat is just... Too
3: I, I, I laugh because it because as
2: soon as you put the sign, the cat was nowhere to be seen <laughs> until you put the <laughs> banner back up. Okay. The cat's back. You I have have a 15 year underneath the Templar robes. I oh, got yeah. these
3: robes, by the way, when I was in Tomar. They were given to me in Tomar they're beautiful yeah. i very had a nice. black and white
1: I, his <laughs> yeah. name is
3: popeye so they're, they're <laughs> actual templar templar robes from Chomar, portugal
2: very they're nice beautiful just, very he nice just meander
3: through them you know and explore and everything so
2: yeah that's okay i love it i love it um the tre- you, you know when people say treasure i'll, I'll put this in two parts what do you think the treasure is and what makes you so sure that it's gold, physical treasure?
3: I don't know that there that it would even contain gold. It may contain some items that are made of gold. Um, but I really think, you know, and I, and I don't doubt that there probably is a tremendous amount of, of, you know, maybe gold and silver involved in this. But I really think that there's, genealogy records, that there's um, a whole lot of Mm. ancient spiritual knowledge of our planet that has been passed down for centuries. And I talked about this in my first book because I believe this is really important, that the Templars, the initiations and the practices that the inner circle of the Templars were involved in were not something that they just came up with they from what i can see stem all the way back to lemuria so they were they were practiced in sumer they were practiced in egypt they mm-hmm. were practiced you know in the holy mm-hmm. land the East. that's why you they would have
2: had to have, you would have had to hide stuff like that even yeah. from the and time you of the would, gnostics you know
3: yeah you would you would have had to keep this under wraps yes. especially in the middle ages you know you especially yeah. But all through time, I mean, if you look all the way back to Sumer to Sumer, mm-hmm. we have, um, you know, we had these, these hierarchies, this, these groups of people that mm-hmm. elite, whatever you want to call them, demigods, whatever you want to call yes. them, that controlled things. and And they had an agenda that they were, you know, that they have brought forward all the way to today. Mm-hmm. We're living in it. We see it right now. It's going on amongst Absolutely. us. Right now. Absolutely. So, this, yeah. this information, this knowledge had to have been secretly passed down for centuries hundreds yes. and hundreds, thousands and thousands of years. And I believe that that is probably the bulk of a lot of what we're going to find in these tempered treasures once they are um, discovered.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I mean, if you go back even to, the, like, again, I like go back to the Gnostics. I mean, they their knowledge of the stars and, yes. and the beings from the stars, and they were just more connected. They were just wiser. They would have been looked at as heretics, as heretics of some sort. You know, then you get into the scenes, and you get into the Cathars, and this is all passed down, even from the Gnostics. So where did the Gnostics get it from? You know, okay. so if you just keep going back,
3: Absolutely. It's all passed down. And if I'm correct about the origination being in um, Lemuria, you know, my personal belief about Lemuria and Atlantis is Lemuria came first, Atlantis yeah. came later. Lemuria was a, um, an epic um, in our evolutionary process. Mm-hmm. that We were not functioning primarily with the mental process. That we, did not, we were not driven by our brains. Right. Um, that, that was that that was played down. Right. When at right. came into being, that's when the mental um, you know, the technology and all the mental processes uh came into being. And that was the beginning of the stage of our of our evolutionary stage of developing the mental brain. Mm-hmm. But up until then, during the Lemurian stage, everything was intuitive. And the Egyptian commission people talk about this, a time when there was 360 senses is what they call Mm it. That's the way they describe it. And what that means, which is difficult to, if you can imagine, you know, um, speech, taste, touch, sight, blah, blah, blah. Right. We have five supposed senses today. 360, you go, oh my God, what could that possibly be? Well, basically we innately understood a tree. We innately understood and can communicate with the stars. That's right. And the planets. Right. And the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And we understood all that and we passed it down genetically. And this is what I believe our DNA holds Mm -hmm. is the memory of all of existence from the beginning of three-dimensional reality
2: absolutely i mean even now there's so much you know they're doing researches on ancestral imprinting you know just just like you have this urge you know oh, it must be past life or maybe it's just ancestral right yeah because if
1: your uncle can draw and all of a sudden you're an artist it runs in your genes
2: similar absolutely yeah. you know yeah. so um I I think it's it's fascinating. It's definitely
3: passed down, and we talked about this before. You know, I have Timplers on my father's side of the family, so
2: my mom's side, yeah. I had
1: Timplers in my genes, and so
2: do you. you You have
1: to think, okay, biologically. I was in my mom's womb with already. She she had me. I was in there with her eggs, my eggs, and my daughter's future eggs. They, mm-hmm. it goes back and that has to have something that carries through mm-hmm. yes it has to yes. so
2: a uh, couple one question one comment um they could very well have had that knowledge that King Absolutely. Solomon yeah I,
3: I totally agree with that that yeah. they did have the knowledge of King Solomon I do believe that
2: yes yes um, yes yeah question oh, go ahead. Again, that, goes, that, goes,
3: that goes to the evolutionary stages. With each evolutionary stage, we're going, we're coming into a new one now. Right. Um, but with each evolutionary stage, we have abilities within that realm of the evolutionary stage that mm-hmm. will help us or assist us in achieving <laughs>
0: you know,
3: the fruition of that stage, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. during Solomon's time, there was a lot of magic that were they called magic. He yeah, was and a magician, basically. He was a magician who right. stood um, not only, you know, the, the what they call the white uh, practices, but the dark also. Of course. Well. He stood because he was a perfect balance of those. So he was I, able, I get
2: that, yes.
3: Right, so he was able to yeah. command demons. He was able to um, do a lot of things. Now, see, these things, I believe, we were able to do freely in Lemuria. We were able to manipulate you know, rocks and stones. And, and that's where I see, you know, when we see in Peru, we see these huge stones that are so... Well, we see it all over
2: uh, the Together, I know. You can't even get a thread yeah. through it, no. But
3: they're so close together, you can't yes. even get a piece of paper. Exactly. Between, right? Exactly. And I personally believe that they were softening the stone.
2: Right. Wow. Love. Yeah, very interesting.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I believe that they had understanding of the like i saw in my dream with the fire right. they had such an ability and understanding of the elements the subatomic elements that they were able to change them they were able mm-hmm. to manipulate them mm-hmm. to achieve things that we just forgot we were able to do you know mm-hmm. i mean we will be sorry. able to do that again i do believe that we will be able to do that again once we tame the mental part of our being.
2: Well, and once they stop suppressing us. We pretty much run amok at this point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. Okay, here's an out there question. Amelia, can you see this?
1: Yeah, I okay, can. Um, Janice <laughs> asks, I'm going to throw this out there. I know there, where you're going with it. <laughs> Go but on. do you think that the Templars went all over the earth by way of UFOs? UFOs. There's yeah. a reason why I asked that. Well, this is an interesting
3: question because I've also had people ask me, "Did the Templars travel interdimensionally?"
2: Yeah.
3: And there's some, you know, there's some, um, there's some people that believe there's some uh, research that points to the fact that the UFOs, that many of them are popping in and out of dimension. That's in correct. Time time zones, right? That's right. Now, if the Templars had this ability, I don't know. I'm not aware, and I haven't had any research. Um, that has that has proved or showed me that at all not I, so guess if,
2: it, I think it'll depend but on what, what knowledge I'm, are they caretakers of
3: Yeah I, I'm open to all mm-hmm. possibilities. that's how I work. I right. have it all open until I start seeing facts and when I start seeing evidence and facts of then course. I start piecing something together of course. As, I just I just recently, as a matter of fact, this is really interesting, um, I always believed that there were UFOs. I always believed that there were people from aliens, whatever you want to call them. And when I was a child, I used to go out in my backyard, and we had this swing set back there, and I used to ask the aliens to come down and get me, as long as they could bring me home by dinner, so I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well,
2: they never did. They never did. I can't <laughs> miss a meal, uh, yeah. family.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so I started doubting the fact that there might even be UFOs, right? Well... Last year, I was driving home from my daughter's on Highway 9 in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and I saw my first UFO.
2: <laughs> ah, congratulations. <laughs> first that you know of. That, <laughs> that you
1: remember. Yeah.
3: You may
2: have. Yeah, you may have. Well, we're heading up to the top of the hour. So this is a part where you promote yourself. What do you have coming up? How can people find you? How can people find the book? And so on.
3: Well, they can find me on the website
2: at uh,
3: www.templarsinbrazil.com. You can also uh, find me on YouTube, um, Templars, also a the Grail Quest um, YouTube channel. You can find me on TikTok now, on Instagram, Templars in Brazil. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and I also have two Facebook pages, The Templars in Brazil, and also Kathleen Ann Ball. And (laughs) another thing I wanted to bring up is my book is available on Amazon. You can also order it by contacting me through any of those venues and ask me to send you a book, and I will send you an author's signed author's copy, which will be a couple dollars cheaper than what they're selling it on Amazon.com. So um, anyone who wants a signed copy, that's the way to do it. And like, and then the film is out. Of course, the Templars in or the Brazilian Templars mystery is out on Gaia TV, and the next film will be coming out next year. And my next my book, The Templars Agenda, will also be coming out next year. So,
2: mm-hmm. well, you that stay awesome. in touch with us, and you let us know when all this is coming to play, and uh, you come and share all that information with us. We'd love to love to hear all about it.
3: Yeah, well, when we get back from Portugal, I'll definitely get a hold of you because I know Please. there's going to be so much more.
2: <laughs> we should have Hamilton
1: join us as well. He yes. just adores you.
2: Yeah, we'll right. make it a party. <laughs> we'll well, it it's
1: been a party. wonderful to get together with you
3: again. I just love, I just love talking with both of you. Anyway, it's Aww, just, thank it's you. so much fun
1: having you. You're
2: and just such a joy. So, <laughs> thank you. We're just having such you a on. joy we love like thank you for sharing all the information like so many great updates and you know we're just so excited for you to be able to continue on and make these incredible discoveries and, and it's fantastic that you're sharing it all with the world because it needs to be shared that history needs to, to get out there so <laughs> um, okay um, okay the website okay what is it Kathleen they want me to put it in Templars in Brazil is it, what, what's the name of the website, Templars in Brazil?
3: Uh, the website is, yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, www.templarsinbrazil.com.
1: Templars
2: yeah. in Brazil. Yeah,
1: it's an easy one to got remember. Them. And which one? Yeah.
2: Well, they're asking. Somebody asked me to put it in chat. Yeah. So I'm putting oh, it on okay. all the platforms. <laughs> Temprism, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Everybody's got There's it now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Was yeah. on seven different platforms. So, I will be in touch with you. I will send you some links and please keep in touch and Absolutely.
3: um we'll do Absolutely. this again. I wish you both a uh, wonderful wonderful holiday.
2: You as and, well. Uh, you as well. Yeah. Yes.
1: You're, you're in our, our thoughts and you're in my prayers and I I pray everything goes really well and for your daughter-in-law as well. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And same to you. Same to you. Thank you. I keep her
3: in my prayers as well. Thank you I
1: so did. much, Kathleen. Yeah, we've been staying in contact. You've been a great support. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You're
2: very- Hi. Yeah. Thank you, Kathleen. Oh, a night. Yeah. Have a good one. Right. Good night. Good night. <laughs> bye well, Time to sign off, guys. We've had another terrific show. That's like the double whammy this week. So, thank you all for tuning in. You just make it Honestly, you guys make this so much more fun. So thank you all for tuning in. Big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring tonight's show. Big thank you to Justice Snickers, C. B. Guinness. Huge thank you to Dr. Kathleen Ann Ball. Wow. What an incredible journey that she's on. And I hope she just finds everything she's looking for. In fact, I will wish it for her. Oh, so Love her energy. Tomorrow night we welcome back Deborah Thunder, and tomorrow she she's just next. Oh, not tomorrow night, next Wednesday. God, <laughs> I, it, I was looking at where it says Wednesday. Anyway, <laughs> next Wednesday, uh, yes, De- Deborah comes. I'm like, back. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> I know Deborah returns, and and she's yes. going to be talking about the 22 DNA strand uh, activation. She's fun yes open up get ready for some really interesting stuff this woman is amazing oh yeah to start with but this is what she's known for yeah and this wait. is something that you're not going to want to miss thursday night we welcome for the very first time nicole magic <laughs> it says i had to have look at the name um so her little her write-up is she encounters but she's encountered with extraordinary occurrences in her life or the encounters. Sorry. Um, Let me just start that over. The encounters with extraordinary occurrences in her life sparked a profound desire within her to assist individuals in reshaping their connections with themselves, money and others, ultimately enabling them to attain the level of success that they aspire to achieve. See December guys, light-hearted month you mm-hmm. know it's all happy so light-hearted month you know we might throw in a kind of like a spooky or two because you know it's the other realm we have to do something like that With you Carol. know but With Carol. next week just a little bit <laughs> yeah i've been pretty lighthearted and fun so yep. um that's what you get to look forward to so i hope you all have a terrific weekend and we will see you all next week thank you and good night